are the spawn of Satan. This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him, episode 10. I'm Alex Sprague. I'm Jess Geyer, and we're here with a guest. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Joe Gontek. Joe, you can introduce yourself. And this day, not this week, this day, because we're doing it once a day, 60 movies, 60 days, yep. we watch Little Nicky. And... Mm -hmm, yes, this is a podcast where we are watching every single Adam Sandler movie in a row, every day. I'm, I'm so excited to be able to find out that this was a thing. I mean, all of my, my quarantine activities were running pretty dry, and to find out that there are people that are really just hammering away at some of the issues that really need to be addressed with uh, Sandler. Uh, Sandler universe is a, I'm so glad to be able to join for a little. Thank you. It's really important that we cure society's ills. And that mm -hmm. is why we're doing this. It's really a public service. Yeah, because I think one of the most important questions of today is, does Adam Sandler deserve all the hate? And I want to start, Joe. What's your relationship with Sandler? How do you feel about the Sandman? Um, it's pretty one way. Uh, um, he doesn't have much <laughs> of a relationship with me, but um, mine with him, uh, like coming from the school of, of like uh, like Brendan Fraser, like Adam Sandler, uh, like late '90s, early aughts, being a middle schooler in that era. Um, <laughs> uh to like probably my social detriment was um very big in my formative years so uh it's really great to be able to to come back and circle back and revisit um some of these just peak peak films of, of that era now y you mentioned brennan fraser and we had actually mentioned your Brennan Fraser marathon before on mm -hmm. a previous episode when we watched Airheads. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, Airheads is the only movie of Adam Sandler's with with Fraser in it so far. That's yeah. That that's that's one of the troubling things about that. You would expect more crossover, um, but you know, like I Airheads. Airheads is an essential one. Like mm -hmm. to hear that you guys did Airheads is fantastic. Airheads was a staple of the Brennan Fraser marathons every year. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember thinking, how did Adam Sandler not write Monkey Bone? <laughs> he does not have a credit for Monkey Bone, but I will be damned if he did not have some hand in writing Monkey Bone. There is a zero percent chance that there are no sandy hands on that movie yeah you you feel the the adam grit um yeah deep in that movie yeah when like chris Catan is like pulling organs out of his like cadaver and launching them of a hot air balloon <laughs> like there's there's no way that did not come from the sand mind you know yeah <laughs> okay well What's your favorite Adam Sandler movie? I'm going to not mm. ask you any more questions about Brendan Fraser. That's a um, lie. I'm probably going to do that. But. <laughs> it'll, it'll naturally circle back around. Yeah. And, and as with most conversations I have. But uh, I would say 
I would say I'm not sure if you guys have have gone over and covered, but the Water Boy is probably the top hitter in my opinion, mm-hmm. and that really just like I think that's the first that's the first uh, one that I can remember where um, like face contortions and like a uh, and uh, goofy voices being like really heavily um, involved. So the water boy is the one that I think really just launched, launched, uh, the Sandler, the Sandler movie universe for me. See, I'm curious. Yeah. I was going to say, I find that interesting because I've known you for a long time and I've never seen you do an accent and I've never seen you make a funny face. (laughs) What are you talking about? Most of our friends agree that you're a funny person. What are you talking about? He does the best Joey from Yu-Gi-Oh impression I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Never mind, I'm wrong. He does a great Joey from Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> monsters, real monsters. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And and now we can kick you off the call cuz that's really it was just a setup to have that. <laughs> yeah, we have that recorded now. <laughs> you just you just you're just bleeding me for joey Yu-Gi-Oh drop okay yeah. Yeah. well ben uh, uh, <laughs> ben bribed me to get on to the show because he does a really really good dante and i'm like man he does a damn good dante i need him on it's, it's all impressions so i it's interesting to me that you like the water boy the best when we're recording this the day that we're recording this is the day that we have just released the water boy episode mm. oh fantastic why you said that you like it because of the funny voices i want to know what you think like the theme was of that movie Mm -hmm. that's a college level question you just hand them with yeah yeah i mean there's a lot to unwrap there you know it's like what do you to you what what is it about i think like it's it's strange because uh like it it really, to me, is just about like the the human, and more specifically, like the male psyche's breaking point. You know of how much of how, how much abuse this guy can take on a daily basis, and like if and when he ever cracks. You know, and you see that you see how hot he gets and how you know he throws people around. Uh, like, like they're dolls. Yeah. Like, I think that specifically is like, when I see, like, when I saw the Joker movie with Joaquin (laughs) Phoenix, like, Adam Sandler did it better as like, (laughs) as like the, the abused weird relationship with the mom. I think that's the biggest theme to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely harped on the fact that I thought it was a horror movie while we were recording that episode. And if it weren't for the mom turning the other cheek and being nice, he was going to be Billy the Butcher, the greatest mass murderer of all time. It, it is it's... such... An, like, thank God, the entire Southeast Louisiana community owes that woman an immense debt for just turning around the freight train that was her abusive personality. Because yeah. if she didn't, who knows what hell would be unleashed on the bayou. I mean, I could not agree more. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I also agree that Adam Sandler deserved an Oscar for his performance in The Waterboy. Yeah, Um, definitely. In in fact, though, I think he got a Razzie, which is the the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, I, I will say... I lost my train of thought. I don't know what I was going to say. Well, that. speaking of trains and giant pieces of moving metal. Uh, wait, no. First, uh, <laughs> this. I always have a segue lined up. I'm ready to go. This is a three Sandlayer movie. Three stars for this. It stars Adam Sandler. It was written by Adam Sandler and Tim Hurley, our favorite. And it's a happy mass in production, meaning it's part of the core Sandlerverse. And, because I know you're going to ask, I laughed 33 times during this movie. Okay. That's, now, that's I think that's that's not necessarily your highest. No. Um, my highest, I still think, is Waterboy. Okay. But that's one, of, I think it was like number two. Yes. Um, All right. Uh, Big Daddy was 37, which is my highest. Mm. Okay. And Big Daddy is my favorite one so far that we've watched. Now, um, this is a a fun game I like to start, too. Can you guess the Rotten Tomatoes critic score for this movie? Say, like, a 35? I'm going to go out on a limb here Mm -hmm. and say that the critics said... I think the critics absolutely hated it, and I think the audience really, really liked it. So I'm going to say 30 for critics, 72 for audience. What's what's your audience score, Joe? I mean, I could see, I could see, I mean, I don't see it getting below a 50. I mean, there were there were enough there were enough uh, nut shots and dwarf jokes to like to. <laughs> raise it up at least to like a 52 joe's so close we got a 22 critic meter and a 56 from the audience okay this is this is not a well-liked movie (laughs) (laughs) in that in general um my company excluded yeah my favorite piece of criticism i saw was uh this (laughs) this one from the new york post uh, which gave it a 63, and it said, it's funnier than bedazzled, which isn't saying much. <laughs> which is oh, a Brendan Fraser low blow like you, I've never seen. You, you guys keep wanting to put me back on the Fraser train, and I mean, we, I, don't, I don't think we got enough time for that. I'm not going to even address now, any of that slander. I, I just... Bedazzled is the one where he is able to like choose his life, right? Yeah, yeah, he uh, he he makes wishes with the devil, um, and he's like, I you know wish that I had like a you know a bunch of money, and then the devil makes him into like a Mexican drug lord, and he's like, I don't have money. that's that's the premise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, it was a fine movie. Okay. Now. No, I like Bedazzled. I remember fine, that movie. Like a fine wine. Yes. Yes. Um. Let's quickly recap the plot so that uh, people will know what we're talking about when it comes to Little Nicky. Yeah, I got a real fast plot yeah. summary here. Mm-hmm. So Little Little Nicky himself, the titular character yet again, 
is played by Adam Sandler and uh, Adam Sandler, but also Little Nicky is the son of the devil, played by Harvey Keitel. Wait, wait, are you insinuating that the real Adam Sandler is the son of the devil? Insinuating. Okay, continue. He's a little weird. Nicky's a little weird, but his brothers Adrian and Cassius are typical devils. They're they're really evil, and we know this because they act really evil, and they say they want torture twenty four seven. Uh, the devil says that he's not going to retire because he doesn't want any of his sons to take over. So this ends up pissing Adrian and Cassius off. Uh, Adrian is played by Reese Ipens. The kicker from Cassius replacements. Is, and Cassius is played by Tommy Tiny Lister. I've never seen him before. Uh, he's uh, he's Debo in Friday, which I didn't know that he was anything other than Debo on Friday. Which... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he. Sorry, he's also the tattooed prisoner from The Dark Knight. Ah, his best work. Yes. <laughs> uh, Adrian and Cassius go to Earth to make a new hell. They're going to corrupt a bunch of souls on Earth, and then they are going to kill them all and send them to hell so they can torture them forever. And when they leave hell, hell freezes over. And this causes. I'm going to start calling him Dad because there are lots of devils. Mm hmm. I'm going to call this one Dad, as he's credited in the movie. Uh, Dad starts deteriorating. He literally starts falling apart because hell is frozen over and no new souls are getting in. So he has to send Nikki to Earth to get his brothers to drink from a special flask uh, that he bought at a Renaissance fair. I'm just joking. It just looks like a Renaissance fair flask. And uh, he needs to take them back to hell at the same time since they left at the same time. And he has like three weeks or something before his dad dies. I think it was one week. Yeah. Uh, well, Nikki goes up to Earth, and after uh, a mishap with the subway, he gets help from Mr. Beefy, a bulldog, voiced by... I didn't actually look this up. Who's he voiced by? He's uh, voiced by Robert Smiggle. Okay. Uh, Mr. Beefy is a bulldog, um, and Mr. Beefy... She kind of shows him the ropes about being on Earth, like eating and sleeping. And he also gets a roommate, Todd, played by Alan Covert. The greatest. And he eventually gets a following of two metalheads, John and Peter. John, played by Jonathan Loughran, and Peter, played by Peter Dante, who we've seen both of before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, Alan Covert, Adam's fa uh, Alex's favorite. I don't know why I said Adam. Yeah. Probably because you got into religious mode. No, probably because I got, like, Adam Sandler. Oh. It's also Adam Sandler's favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Valerie, played by Patricia Arquette, also helps Nikki get his flask back when it's stolen. Uh, but Adrian mind-wrestles Nikki and makes her say and do mean things to her, so she leaves all pissed off. Nikki eventually captures Cassius at a Globetrotters game. Uh, Cassius has possessed a referee played by Dana Carvey in a great scene. Uh, and he gets together with John and Peter and Todd. They get really high and he decides that he needs to skip the Ozzy concert and go reconcile with Valerie. Uh, he tells her that he's the son of the devil and they reconcile. After she maces him a few times, for sneaking up to her window. Yeah, and punches him in the face, yeah, too. Which is appropriate. Yeah. It is appropriate. I, she's being kind of tight, but I mean, it can get into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. 
<laughs> there is a Peter Pan reference in this scene because Nikki ends up flying. It's not super explained, but there it is. Wait, what? what's the Peter Pan reference? I didn't catch that. You have to believe. I it, thought that's, a, that's a Dumbo reference. No. Isn't that what Dumbo does? No, that's Tinkerbell, Alex. I swear Dumbo believes in his feather. He gets a special feather from some racist crows. Well, the crows aren't racist, but they're racist depictions. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's a Peter Pan reference. I Well, see, originally, though, I think it's supposed to actually be a half-baked reference. Because when they ask him why he's flying, he says it must be the cake I ate earlier. And in half-baked, weed makes them fly. I've never seen oh, okay. Dumbo before, though, so I have seen <laughs> Half-Baked. <laughs> um, Adrian, in the meantime, has turned the media and the police against Nikki. He claims that Nikki is a mass murderer and there is a $50 million reward for where uh, Nikki's whereabouts. And uh, a crowd chases Nikki down, calling him a monster, but... Nikki has learned to unleash his inner evil, so he turns into a swarm of spiders to get away. It's creepy and gross, and I love that scene. Yeah, I like the noises they're making. It's very strange mm -hmm. noises. It's just Adam Sandler, but a little sped up and, and pitched higher. But what's he saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is he thinking? <laughs> Valerie, John, Peter, Todd, and Nikki come up with a plan to capture Adrian. Peter and John pretend to take the award for info on Nikki, but it's a trap to try to get Adrian to drink from the flask. They pretend it has peppermint schnapps, which Adrian apparently likes. We learned from a previous scene. How is he going to say no? It was a it was a foolproof plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he only figures out that it's a trap because John is not sweaty, and Devil's like being warm. Whereas Peter Dante is very sweaty. Uh, so he um, threatens Valerie's life and threatens to throw her in front of the subway. Uh, but she, like, launches herself and him in front of the, all, like, onto the tracks. Um, and Nikki has to jump down and save her. Um, he throws her up to safety and both he and adrian in, get hit by the train in a in, in a truly like and i can't understate like edge of your seat suspenseful scene <laughs> like you have no idea which way this is going yeah it's a it's actually a shot for shot homage of uh, the matrix train scene alex <laughs> what it, it kind of is that does happen in the matrix almost except keanu reeves doesn't jump up and not die at the end instead little nicky stays there and dies well it's okay when little nicky dies because he he goes to hell except in this case he goes to heaven because it was a self-sacrificing -sac move he goes to heaven and he meets his mom an angel played by reese witherspoon her name is holly and she teaches him about his inner light and gives him a special glowing orb from god before sending him back down to earth to stop adrian Adrian has taken over the Devil's Throne by this time and is raising the Black Castle in the middle of Central Park. People are congregating there to party, but Adrian tells them they're all actually going to go to hell at midnight when the Devil finally dies, when his dad finally dies. Uh, Nikki fights Adrian. They end up both getting sucked into the flask and all three brothers fight there. We don't actually get to see this fight. It literally just 
it's everybody watching this flask jump around with some voiceovers from these three actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but Adrian ends up coming out on top. He turns into a bat and starts flapping around and gloating. But Nikki gets out of the flask with Valerie's help and his inner light. And he uses the glowy orb, which summons Ozzy, of course. And Ozzy bites off the bat's head. And he spits the head back. He spits Adrian into the flask. (laughs) Uh, In a truly, like, M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist. See, that's interesting. I was going to say, in the ending, that was foreshadowed from right in the beginning. It was foreshadowed. Yeah, everyone could tell from scene one, I was like, Ozzy's going to bite a bat's head off. That's what happens. Well, well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I guess maybe we're differing on the, the M. Night uh, twist, because, like, he'll he'll foreshadow those twists, too. Like, I mean, in Sixth Sense, it was, it was much more reasonable to, it, like, assume that, like, Bruce Willis died because he got shot in, like, the first sentence, like, the first, like, scene. I'm... Well, we're going to so... have to edit that out because we don't tolerate spoilers for other <laughs> Oh, jeez, <laughs> Jesus. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. No. No, I spoil every movie in this. Um, no, it, it is telegraphed though. They they do mention Ozzy a couple times, um, but it is kind of a Deus Ex Machina. Well, literally, God gives him an orb and says, "Break this." I don't know what it does, and then when yeah. he breaks it, they <laughs> save the day. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, it literally was a machine from God to fix stuff. <laughs> uh, well, this is the end of the movie. They all live happily ever after. Um, there is a. I think this is like the third during credits kind of scene, like flash forward. Yeah, here's here's what frame. happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Of course, Nikki and Valerie end up together. It's another V name, by the way. Yeah, another v. name of um, Sandler's ending with an E sound as well. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed this, Joe? That most love interests in Adam Sandler movies are v- names that have VV as the initials. I have not noticed that. I'm, I have not I'm trying those pieces together. I thought you were going to say like most of his love interests are in some way damaged, and I was going to say, yeah, I've noticed that. Oh. But no, <laughs> I have not noticed the V alliteration yeah. in their names. No, that I don't think that most of the love interests are damaged. Um, this one is. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> well, kind. She's not. She's perfectly normal. She just thinks that she's ugly. Yeah, she's uh, carrying some baggage, but she, yeah, she. I mean, it, it really. I mean, it just for me, it just sort of begs question, like, like the depths to one's self-esteem issues. If uh, someone comes forth that they that they are the literal spawn of Satan, and and that's and that's not something that uh, that makes you reconsider. Uh, your your day life. Well, to be fair, she does reconsider when he says he's the son of the devil, but she reconsiders. Hey, that's a good thing. That's when they get back yeah. together. Because because before because before he was just like a guy that gave her the finger once, and then she's like, oh, oh well, now it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's kind of a it's an upper level move. That's you know he's got security. His dad has a good job. I mean, so it's like, so she, you're, you're claiming she like made like the Melania Trump move, where like 
she just saw an opportunity like you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna cash in the career i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get like some status some money yeah and, i'm gonna you know, put my hooks toast. into this train this family's going mm-hmm. places it's hell but that's where they're going <laughs> i mean um, <laughs> yeah he does end up just working at popeyes at the end well, he seems to be an ambassador for popeyes um he's wearing a popeyes the ambassadors for popeyes don't wear popeyes uniforms and name tags yeah, i i mean i disagree with that <laughs> i don't know why mm. but i would well let's um, speaking of popeyes why don't we talk about product placement here yeah um so this movie's pretty bad with product placement because my issue with it is that popeyes doesn't really it doesn't advance the plot at all right like <laughs> that's my issue with it like there's no there's no popeyes deus ex machina that would have been good if he like tricked him <laughs> with chicken or something he does at the end he may, he distracts all the little demons with popeyes chicken yeah after distracting him with two other things perfectly well they added in another product placement so like <laughs> Um, that and I do like the idea that Popeye's chicken is the most neutral food in the world because little N- Nikki is very much a centrist in this movie. Um, when he's trying to unleash his evil, he changes Coke into Pepsi, mm-hmm. um, which is a Pulp Fiction reference. What? Yeah, it's a Pulp Fiction reference. Oh. Hold on, let me grab this quote. Um, in Pulp Fiction, Jules talks about God turning Coke into Pepsi. That's, I, hmm. I do not remember that, and I'm a fan of that and movie. And Quentin Tarantino is a blind preacher in this movie. Yeah, I, I did pick that up. Um, hmm. Well, I don't get it, I guess, but I was going to say, um, it's kind of making a joke about people who are between good and evil. Like, being like, look at all these choices I have. I can turn Coke into Pepsi. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a very deep thematic thing. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. The- well, here, too, though, hell is not necessarily Yeah, it's not evil. evil. Like, the devil, yeah. the devil punishes bad people who deserve it is, like, the whole thing. Yeah, though, I'm not a huge fan, again, of the sexual violence toward men in this movie um yeah it's i will say like you can't feel bad about the depiction of hitler being hurt it it, Uh, no i'm pretty good with that one um (laughs) yeah john lovitz they got a lot of pardon me i was just they got a lot of milk out of that udder too the uh the the hitler um anal uh anal uh uh, anal jokes yeah, yeah, they shove a lot of pineapples up Hitler's butt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Only one. No, they do two. Oh, no, well, the other's a flask. I'm sorry, they do put the flask in up at the end. Um, mm-hmm. I laughed at both those scenes, for sure. Um, <laughs> John Lovitz uh, starts the movie being a peeper. Um, that's what he's called in this movie, is just peeper, to a woman listening to the same song he danced to in The Wedding Singer, and then when he sent to hell a horny bird uh, just assaults him for all time, apparently. 
um, while he yells, and, and, I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I, I don't want it to be like brushed away that it is maybe the most brazen, like keeping Tom performance <laughs> I've ever seen in film. Where yeah, um... he he not only spectates from like five like, feet away outside of the window with a glass of wine. He yeah, and had a picnic. <laughs> yeah, having a picnic. He he pumps himself up and calls the home <laughs> to talk to her kid to get to tell his kid tell this kid to get his mom's to like he's like get out of here tell her to scram get a take a take a top off. That was one of the more impressive peeping Tom performances, and it's not usually the angle that you see the peepers go. Mm-hmm. Now. I think that actually, I wrote a note here that said peeping Tom equals male gaze. Um, mm. G-A-Z-E, gaze. Yeah. Um, that he is a creeper, he's super skeevy, and it's really calling attention to the male gaze here in this movie. And the scene is echoed again when Nikki comes up to Valerie's window. Mm. He is watching her through her window and when she opens the window she maces him and he like falls backwards and almost die- almost dies again but he floats mm-hmm. i think that it's really calling attention to that especially considering the previous movie being deuce bigelow with mm-hmm. some heavy awful male gaze in my opinion with the woman who works at the at the aquarium shop in this one, it's it's punishing that that skis ball attitude, yeah, um, yeah, with this actual watching aspect. Yeah, that's true, and I mean, I know that we'll get into it a ton with this movie. I mean, just the morality themes that are at work, but I think what distinguishes the the peeper watching through the window versus the Nikki like peeping through the window is specifically the picnic. Yeah. I, I think without the picnic, then, like, it would be established as, you know, bueno in the, in, like, the Sandler universe. But because he was treating himself to a nice picnic and it was a, a dinner and a show, I think that's what put it over the edge. Well, also, when, when Nikki comes up to the window, he's not looking at Valerie in a sexual way. He's, you know, looking at her in a, this is a, a I'm very fond of this person way. Well, mm-hmm. I will say, though, is that not because Nikki doesn't know what sex is yet? It's shown... He tries to kiss the window. He, but he had, he had been taught how to eat the day previously. He just learned how to sleep. There's no way he understands what he's going through at that time. Are you saying that little Nikki is going through, like, devil puberty? Well, yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, I, I would, I would, my only retort to that would be, like, understanding, like, that no one eats in hell. But I can only imagine that in his social circles in hell, there had have been a number of deviants and perverts I mean, the movie established that yes he yeah. sees so, it all the time with the the demon um played by kevin nealon um no wait that's not yes, kevin, nealon. kevin nealon okay Ted. yes yeah seeing him and like the bigfoot demon mm-hmm. 
always doing something weird. He's yeah. got to know. He 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 definitely had an understanding of it wasn't like uh it wasn't like a 7 year old walking and and not knows what he's seeing. It's like he definitely knew yeah. when he saw Kevin Nealon's head getting fondled. He knew what was going on. It's not a Bobby Boucher situation. I, exactly. I I guess maybe, but I don't know. It it seems like Nikki has never seen anything but Ozzy and Metallica in his entire life. Like, I don't understand how how the a prince of hell would not know that you have to shit or that you have to eat. Like that seems like things you would have just picked up through lore. Yeah, it doesn't mean he doesn't know how. To I, do I it, guess though. he has no mm-hmm. interest in humans. Is is what it would be. The- his his introduction in the film does lead me to believe that he has just spent the last thousand years stomping around his room uh, playing like metallic CDs. Yeah, and because not- that's like literally nothing else. Yeah, he he didn't even. <laughs> Can we talk? Yeah, Good. No, no, you finish your. I say he didn't even learn how to like play guitar, which would have been like a cool thing for a devil to know. He was just like playing with a spine or something. <laughs> Oh my god. I was almost going to say, do you really expect Adam Sandler to learn how to play the guitar for a movie and then it hit me? <laughs> yeah, that he's he's a very good guitar player and could have easily played guitar in this movie. Anyway, I want to talk about the music in this movie because that is what made me laugh the most. Were the gratuitous 2000s, like, I, what would you even call that genre of music that, like, Incubus falls it, under? It's just, like filth but in uh and but i want to say it in a mean way because i listen to a lot of filth that's good but this is just horrible sappy filth i hate it i hate it there is there are so many musical cues that and so it opens up with a pod song which just captures the zeitgeist of the 2000s so well mm-hmm. and you know we start off in hell so it makes sense um it has um <laughs> uh an incubus song is in there cypress hill um power man 5000 like lit i don't it i don't want to put everlong in there i don't want to put that song in there but it's also yeah. in there the stampeders lincoln park another pod song it's there is so much early 2000s music like bad music and they don't play like the whole song but they do try to do like the when when adrian sits on the throne as the devil for the first time when worlds collide by power man 5000 comes on and it's the scene talking about like becoming the devil and it's like way too spot on and i can't tell if this movie's being ironic about it because i know that adam sandler has been in movies where the music cues are really good. Like in The Wedding Singer, the music cues are perfect. Yeah, and we've established that Adam Sandler's favorite band is Styx. So you know that he's willing to uh, enjoy music that people don't necessarily like. So I think actually this is either a specific choice or they made a mistake and they were playing Top 50's radio into this movie. It, it just feels all of the really good music cues are not that early 2000 stuff yeah like i actually like it when the rocky like a hurricane comes yeah. on um 
and the there's a funny scene where they're talking about um who is the band that they play forward on the record first uh, something by Ozzy Osbourne okay so they play some Ozzy uh and then Nikki says that it's actually Chicago that if you play it backwards it has a message about the double <laughs> yeah, played, does that I thought really that was really funny <laughs> that's the yeah the song. And they obviously call reference to that later when the crowd is chasing them, mm-hmm. uh, chasing Nikki. The thing that helps them get away faster is a bus, like a double-decker bus that has a, a banner that says Chicago on it. Yeah. Uh, like, sidelines them. Like, I know that he knows. He, I know that he knows. How can he not know that the music cues in this movie are so bad? Like... It makes me wonder. So they've they've talked a lot about how much they hate critics at this point. Um, they've made fun of music in very specific ways, and they seem to be intelligent about this. Are they trying to play up this idea of Cassius and Adrian and Nikki and how lame they are for late 90s, early aughts look? By playing the shitty music cues for him all the time and being like, do you know what's really badass? Chicago. What you listen to is trash. Like, there could be an aspect of that. I'm not sure if I can actually say that I believe they meant to do it like that, though. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when do they place the Sinead O'Connor song? I don't, I saw that on the soundtrack and I was racking my brain to figure out when Sinead O'Connor like is actually played and I couldn't think of it. Hmm. Let me, let me listen. Oh, it's, it's when he's talking to VV. I don't remember her name in this one. Um, but yeah, who knows? Let's, let's get into some real themes. I don't know much about the music here. It's, it's bad though i think we can all agree it's 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 it is um but i do it did play a decent role i'll I'll, I'll diverge from you a little bit as far as like universe building Mm -hmm. um i I think i think i know exactly what the sandler versus hell is made of and i think they're they're still playing that music to this day from there yeah um (laughs) i'd actually on that note I think hell, I'd rather go to the Sandler verse hell than heaven, right? Would I would rather go to the heaven. You wouldn't? Cause yeah, because it... Chubbs is up there right, well, yeah, Ch- with Reese Witherspoon. It looks like a nice place to hang out. I mean, Adam Sandler's wife is up there, too. Um, so yeah, um... their depiction of heaven, though, is all little cell phones that bark like a puppy when you get a call. And then they watch TV. Whereas hell is some shenanigans and hard rock, like and no women though. Huh. Yeah, that part sucks, it's, huh? <laughs> but you do have a titty yeah. man. It's 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 interesting. I mean, obviously, I mean, we tackle some pretty heavy themes in this movie, you know. And I think I think the most notable thing that like that this movie does, as far as like the Sandler universe, is. I mean, it's it like is the first movie to like establish some existential law, right? Like we understand 
that in the Sandliverse there is a god mm-hmm. and there is a heaven hell. But even the morality within that, there is a gray area where uh, John and I can't remember the other rocker's name that are Pete. down there kicking Peter. in hell. Peter. Yeah. They're having a good time down in hell. And, and you know, the there's chubs up there in heaven. I mean, there are cool people all over the place. So, yeah, yeah. I would actually uh, have to push back on you on that. They do show in uh, Happy Gilmore that Chubbs is in heaven at the end with Abraham Lincoln and the alligator. Yeah, but that doesn't ex- establish necessarily that there is a god or that there is a hell. Yeah, but it, it, it clues you in that heaven exists in this world. I you know, yeah. but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily. My interpretation of it was was more like that doesn't necessarily. Um, like I don't know that Happy Gilmore is a reliable narrator in that, and we don't know. I took that, I interpreted that more as uh, as Happy Gilmore's view of Chubbs and that and how he is doing in his own psyche, rather than a definitive establishing of heaven. Mm-hmm. This I think was a lot more, more rigid with. A lot there there definitely is that hierarchy and you know it's it's really a traditional heaven hell there's a great line that is extremely smart that i think cash it's either cassius or or adrian say it but they quote john milton Mm -hmm. from paradise lost they they say um, that their grandfather Lucifer said it was better to rule um, to rule in hell than to serve in heaven, mm-hmm. which is a line from, you know, it's yeah. it's Paradise Lost is a a, a great text. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. poem. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not just heaven hell. It's like mm-hmm. it's biblical. All of it. Yeah. Um, puritanical. They, they established Rodney Dangerfield was the Lucifer, the original starter of hell. And that happened twenty thousand years ago. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 show a lot about this, and I think that actually was a, a major problem within this movie. Um, they tried to squish too much into the eighty-eight minutes. Like this, I don't think I'll <laughs> often say this. I think it would have been a better Adam Sandler movie if it was longer. Okay. Because wow. like, there's a lot of lore in there, and they they don't really check it, it out. It does. It does warrant some expansion because some of the metrics of like Harvey Keitel's Devils, like philosophy of like this strange like Jedi take on being the devil, where you have to be balanced of like yeah, you need to be decently evil but then also not totally evil yeah i think the the whole thing with the devil being the balance between good and evil when we think of the devil as just the evil (laughs) is very strange um that he has some kind of weird morality he's actually following and you know what it, it really does it really does like it really does leave you with more questions about the universe because we 
we only know, like you said, the the like the puppies and the Reese spoons up in heaven. And then we know there's this weird morality in hell. So I'm not exactly sure um, what delineates the two. Yeah. I... <clears throat> the biggest theme in this movie that I picked up, and I promise you I'm going somewhere, I'm going to circle back around to what you were saying. Mm. The biggest theme that I picked up is is this idea of the structured hierarchy of the world being a bigger corrupting force than anything else yeah um the the people who are possessed by adrian and cassius are always people who are in a sort of power uh the police chief the mayor a priest a referee of the globe uh, the globe chatters game perhaps These the are most people powerful who have... man of all right there well i mean it's it true. was I mean, played by dana carvey it... <laughs> it was clear though that the referee had control over this entire crowd that he mm. could potentially get them all rioting but it's this idea that it's these hierarchies keeping people in line, which I think is very interesting in comparison to movies like Happy Gilmore, where the hierarchies aren't keeping people in line, they're keeping people down. And this one, as soon as people start believing that there is no punishment for their wrongdoing, they start acting out and misbehaving. Mm -hmm. As soon as they don't believe that there's going to be something, a good reward coming for them, they start acting out and misbehaving and it's these people in these power structures that are keeping them aligned. The people of New York here almost blindly listen to their authority. Well, they really do blindly listen to their authority. Yeah. Um, it's, it only takes one priest and a mayor to get a whole church to turn their back on God. Yeah. Uh, also, um, there's an interesting comment by uh, the lady with her family watching the basketball game where she keeps insisting it's all part of the show as this referee starts doing more and more increasingly strange things and people are getting pissed off and there's violence starting she's insisting that the ref knows what's going on and he has control um mm -hmm. even as we're shown that he obviously doesn't yeah and even as you're obviously shown that there is something wrong and corrupt about him because a demon literally comes out of his mouth mm -hmm. But yeah, she, when a literal demon comes out of his mouth, she thinks it's a magic trick. She says, what, that's some yeah. real David Copperfield shit? Yeah. And down in hell, we see that they're responsible for meeting out punishment. And the devil has ultimate authority over how this happens. He even, you know, he punishes his gatekeeper for letting his two sons leave. Mm -hmm in a completely arbitrary way in this case like he has ultimate control and he gets to decide who rules and it's you know it's a monarchy down in hell up in heaven there's also only one ruler who tells everybody what to do and it's god down in hell all the mortal souls are being punished except for peter and john who were followers of nikki so i don't mm -hmm. think that really counts but up in heaven what are all the mortal souls doing do you know uh watching earth no they're working how so chubbs is their and like dance instructor yeah and chris farley becomes their aerobics instructor they're working why do they have to work well i assume to pass the time because heaven would be extremely boring without something to do and to like try to subtly improve yourself 
right? Like, no, they don't establish that. Why wouldn't Chubbs be a golf instructor? Why wouldn't he be a golfer? He could play any kind of golf course it, he wanted in the world, it but... does say that he used to be a golfer, but he he loves the dance or something like that? No, it doesn't say that he loves it. It just says that that's what he's doing now. It's huh. interesting. Why would Chris Farley be an aerobics instructor instead of an, a, co- a comedian? Well, partially. I, I mean, it, no, you don't have a good answer. Don't well, try to he, answer. He's an for aerobics heaven. instructor in a bit from SNL. Was what I was gonna say, but that's not really like a good reason for it. No. <laughs> yeah, like you'd think he'd be a comedian, huh? Like, like that's the or, job or, he liked, or, or just like, or just like face deep and blood doing whatever whatever he wants. Like that's. I I don't know. I also don't know in that power structure, because I mean, obviously, like, God is the supreme power there. But I mean, in the same way that hell had its demons, it didn't seem like the angels had much of like, a responsibility. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. That you just made me realize something. Chubbs isn't an angel in this movie. Correct. No, he's a human. Correct. And he's subservient to these angels, because they point out that angels, demons and humans are different things when they make a little Nikki baby. So, oh man, dying and going to heaven exactly. would suck. You be, you become you're, an angel slave. You're you're a, you're a slave either way you go. Because it's this you're, rigid you're, hierarchy. Yeah. You're you're a pain slave in hell or you're, you're a labor slave up in heaven. And if you're in the middle spot, you get to work at Popeyes. Yeah, or for the police. Or as a religious person. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> I I think it's just something worth noting that these are that the hierarchy to, that is established isn't necessarily good for the mortals involved. Yeah, no matter what happens in this movie, the average person is kind of fucked. Is like what it shows, and it's it's very much people with power. In this case, literal magic powers. Just kind of messing with the world around them. And well, it shows that you can have a good time if you follow Satan. Yeah. Yeah. A little. And it's 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 to no end. There's there's no um there's there's nothing there's there's no reason uh for Chubbs to be a dance instructor. There's there's no like there's no hole in that market. I mean he like it God could fill that if he wanted to, but it it really is, it really is. Yeah. It, be, yeah, it why, the question. Why would what, he? Of what separates head from hell? You know. Why would they even need aerobics instructors and dance instructors anyway? They say that the angels never get older. It's not like they need to yeah. exercise. But, we know that they don't even need to eat down in hell. We can assume the angels don't need to eat up in heaven. Yeah, also, um, the heaven and hell thing is a false dichotomy that they are pushing on mortals, as shown by the fact that they mention they have a heaven and hell mixer where the devil got an angel yeah. pregnant. Like, none of this... I mean, we know from the Bible that the devil is just a fallen angel. They're the same species. And at this point, they've come up with a way to keep humans in line by making this dichotomy for them to follow. So really... Are, are you... Um, uh, for, continue, please. Oh, say, so really, like, 
nothing they do other than keeping the balance is that's all they really need to care about because the only way humans would ever have a good thing is if you know the monarchy fell now here's the thing sorry joe do you want to say it i'll let you say your thing i just i just wanted to to jump in and, and ask so are you are you getting at that little nicky mm-hmm. might be adam sandler's way of addressing uh two-party politics i'm kind of seeing that this is a statement on two-party politics because i think that we can all agree that adam sandler and his friends are kind of centrists which is not great that's not my opinion, but they, they've said some dumb stuff in real life. Um, just from the top of my head, I do know that. I, I, I'd have to fact check that. I find that to be highly implausible. But go uh, ahead. Rob Schneider is an <laughs> anti-vaxxer, so I'll start with that one. Um, but they, they could be making a statement about how both sides are wrong. And Lil Nicky here in the center is where you want to be okay have you have either of you read paradise lost uh yeah but it was like over a decade ago you lost me at red (laughs) so paradise lost we already have established that this is true form that lucifer actually like followed the events from paradise lost Mm -hmm. in paradise lost the devil is seen as a very sympathetic figure. He's upset that he has to serve in heaven. He has to follow this rigid hierarchy. He has to be subservient to God. And when humans are created, he's very upset that they got free will, but he still has to serve God. So he creates a rebellion in heaven, and then he ends up losing and is cast down. And he tries to teach i mean he he tempts eve because he wants her to have knowledge he's he's seen as this very very sympathetic character yeah so i don't think that this movie then if we're if we're looking at paradise lost as actual true life canon in this movie the movie's not saying that the center is best it's saying that hell is best that that's the way to go it's to revolt against your leaders yeah, that, I mean, it does show the, who's happy at the end. It's Peter and John who have revolted and decided to go to hell. And little Nicky is happy not taking the throne and revolting against his birthright and going to somewhere else also. The, the, big, the big fly in the ointment with that point, though, is the, is the copious amounts of pineapples and asses. Yeah, but that was yeah. Hitler. Yeah, they... There's, like, a lot of people just, like, kind of doing the dirty in hell. And there's nothing... Like, like I don't I don't know what the big monkey man was supposed to be. But, like, him and Kevin Nealon seem very happy together. They're just, you I, know, I, Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine, I imagine that there there is some happiness to be found in hell but i i think i think i i side more, more in the alex camp where nikki found his happiness in the middle nikki, yeah but what's gonna happen to him when he dies because he's not gonna stay up there forever valerie's gonna die eventually where is she gonna go she killed a person she's gonna go to hell 
Wait, who'd she kill? She killed him. She killed Nikki. Oh. I guess morality does work that like that based on the rules yeah. God made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Got me there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, she also had sex with a demon, and you know nothing wrong with that. Made a little devil kid. Made a Rosemary's baby. They uh. Yeah. They yeah, uh, but I mean yeah. It goes. It goes to that like uh. It goes to that like corrupting influence theme where it's like eventually everyone will be corrupted and you know trying to fight the forces as, as long as you can eventually everyone will die but i think i think the happiness is found in the center hmm. yeah um I, I i'm wondering what, what do you guys think about um the the cues so there's a lot of horror references in this movie also um, Alan Covert's mm-hmm. character has a bird's poster, a psycho poster, a, uh, what was the other one? They, they do make a Rosemary's Baby reference. Um, and when the city is searching for little Nikki for monetary gain, when the police chief says it's $50 million, if you catch them, they're calling him the monster over and over, a mm-hmm. Frankenstein reference. Is, yeah. is this supposed to be something um i guess th- this uh pitchforks and torches chasing up someone with obvious fake uh information for monetary reward how are we supposed to react to this is this a throwaway gag or is this a a representation of a bigger situation well i think I mean, it's I- supposed to be a commentary on the media itself mm-hmm. Because the woman uh, who is the anchor, she says she just reports everything completely neutrally. Mm-hmm. When they when she says that the mayor is changing the slogan of New York to "I love hookers" instead of "I love New York," she just says it completely neutrally. She admits that she's having an affair on camera. Mm-hmm. She like just reports everything by for fact she shows the they show on tv the scarface dub over which is obviously fake they just report whatever they're told to the whatever they're told to from the power yeah i i don't think when you're looking at an adam sandler movie that you could just write off any one thing it's just a throw away Mm -hmm. and i think it's worthy to to examine it because yeah i mean especially when you're getting at like these like morality themes and uh, perception is reality. We understand Nikki to be a nuanced character, but the vilification uh, of him in the media is is really, really sort of gets gets at some of those some of those themes of you know uh, uh, media influence and and how that isn't necessarily um, the reality of of one's uh, one's morality. Feel, yeah. feel like you were uh, pulling for the end of that sentence for a while, trying to figure out where the where the media is evil. And the answer is everywhere. I <laughs> always. I I don't think that you're wrong at all, mm-hmm. though, about like things not being throwaways in these films. At least not so far. I mean, we're only on number ten, yeah. but <laughs> they there are actually a lot of little nuances in these in these movies that you might think are just like garbage movies, but there's a a lot you can actually pick apart and pull apart. Yeah. And I keep saying whether or not that's intended doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it can't be that it's not all unintentional. There's too much. I I do think though, um, in this one specifically, 
they tried to cram too much in and they didn't get deep enough into much. Even if you look at uh, the the VHS cover of the Little Nicky movie, which I'm doing right now, there's so much text on the front. It's, if your father was the devil and your mother was an angel, you'd be messed up too. And then a picture of Little Nicky and the New York skyline with Beefy. And then Adam Sandler is Little Nicky. Be unafraid. Be very unafraid. Like, that's a lot for a VHS cover. It, that is a lot. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely needed to be expanded because, I mean, this movie established so much. Um, I mean, not only the existential laws, but just, I mean, the, the laws for everything that we know about all these characters. Because now we know that every single character in the Sandlerverse is like either like going to continue in circulation in heaven or hell. There is no one off the board. Yeah, and it also shows that um, just normal humans can reach the ethereal plane um, because it's Dan Marino who's down in hell trying to sell his soul, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah so. he is. <laughs> well, I think that's just because he's a first-class passenger and he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, that and the devil hates the Jets, which is Sandler's favorite team. So he's doing whatever he can to screw him over. No, he's a Jets fan. I thought... I thought the devil said he, he hated the Jets. He said he was Jets. a Jets fan. Yeah. Nah. He's a Jets fan. The devil is oh. a Jets fan. Okay. Sorry. I, I don't know who Dan Marino pay, played for, so I didn't really... I didn't figure it out. Um, yeah, no. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm, I I just have some little things I'm going to bring up at the end to, to get your guys' reactions on. Okay. Okay. So if you have anything else, go ahead. Um, the big things for me, um, it was, I mean, uh, one thing that really stuck out to me, um, uh, his roommate is gay. They uh, say he's gay, yeah, at least. Um, which is pretty, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they make a ton of homophobic references to him, and like, there's no... Other than the fact that he's in touch with his feelings, like there's nothing to say he's gay in the well, movie. Well, I'll well, I say I don't know that he's necessarily gay, but he definitely has some baggage because the movie establishes that his roommate is a Kevin Spacey victim. Wait, it does? And in the scene, in the infamous scene where he is murdering little Nikki by drowning him. He is yelling at. He is yelling and is like unleashing his catharsis on Nikki by yelling and ranting about Kevin Spacey getting all the parts. Oh, in every movie. I, I didn't hear he said it was Kevin Spacey. That's messed up. That is really messed I, up. I wonder. I'm gonna do a. Uh, if they were ever in the same movie. It, I mean, we, like, people, people might not appreciate Lil Nicky as, like, the first whistleblower and just 20 years ahead of the curve. I mean, it seems like they were never in the same movie. And 
Hmm. There might be something to that. They might have hated him. I, it, <laughs> I, it was because this this movie was released in two thousand. Uh, and mm-hmm. yes. And I know that around that time it was at least understood at least at least talked about that that was going on i don't know what sort of information adam sandler would have but at the very least to base a character on a uh on a on a kevin spacey victim it sort of goes to your point earlier about like Mm -hmm. stretching stretching this out this movie could have easily been three and a half four hours in my opinion to really just like get it all the meat that was here mm-hmm. yeah um i really can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not <laughs> that's that's why he's called joe the liar in my phone um yeah um it, it is interesting to see that i i don't know if if they specifically did that they don't really call out other actors ever in stuff um and it, it is interesting to see a character have this like scene of rage towards someone that we now know is a serial abuser and that is something that like they've talked a lot about is abuse towards people yeah it, it at least it, it at it at a minimum it at a minimum is uh is noteworthy and at a at a maximum is some is a whistle being blown that went unheard yeah so in 2005 was when Seth MacFarlane first made a Kevin Spacey joke so like who who by the way not to get to a point totally ripped off the idea of Mr. Beefy and to make his dog shit movie Ted. But go ahead. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about Brian from Family Guy, but that too. That too. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Uh... How is Mr. Beefy like Ted at all? <laughs> he was. This movie. It was a trailblazer in terms of I. I mean, there were maybe. I'm trying to think. Maybe. Maybe there were some Beethoven movies that came before, but as, oh as the first, as the first raunchy, uh, as the first raunchy, uh, like, like voiced over, like voiced, like animal or inanimate object character in okay. film. I really think that Mr. Beefy. I mean, while I understand some critics weren't as big on Mr. Beefy, and I mm. get it. Um, but, and he, he might not have hit the same notes with the, the same, like, degree of success, but conceptually, there's no way that you can look at the, that hack, Seth MacFarlane's work, <laughs> and tell me that he didn't derive some inspiration from this movie. Are you, you're saying that Adam Sandler walked, Mr. Beefy walked, so Ted could run. That's that's exactly my point. And you guys want to know a real uh, fun fact is Mr. Beefy's son, whom was named Meatball, was the uh, 
I think wedding, uh, wedding, uh, sorry, ring bearer at Adam Sandler's wedding. Oh, that's cute. Meatball is such a good name for a yeah, dog. Um, um, there's also I, a little I, Nikki video game. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, for Game Boy oh Color, gosh. I remember. Yep. <laughs> it actually, it actually got pretty good. Uh, that's got to be a Patreon special. We play the little Nikki game boy game. Uh, I want to come back to Alan Covert's character. I am really disappointed about the portrayal of gay characters in this movie. Yeah. Um, because Alan Covert in the previous in the previous movie he was in with Adam Sandler in Big Daddy. Yes. Right? Was that these all these movies blend yeah. together? Um that he played a gay lawyer and it was portrayed so well mm-hmm. and and that movie was very touching on the gay issues at, like in a very positive manner and then in this movie it was only played for laughs and in an insulting way even though alan cover ended up being one of the heroes and everything it was just i didn't think it was very well done and same thing goes with the nipples guy yeah the yeah. the buffalo the bill guy. person yeah, I know that was a it was a Buffalo Bill reference. Mm-hmm. I know that, but yeah, still. but they they laid that one on pretty thick. I'll I'll agree with you there. Yeah, I yeah. mean the the thing is making a Buffalo Bill reference can be funny, I guess, but making mm-hmm. five and then only the joke being like you gross, like yeah. they they took some solid steps back on any like credit I was giving them for those types of things. Yeah. I I was disappointed in that. There's like I I'm I'm going to say again, I just don't I think they stuffed too much in here. This is their first like big expensive film for themselves. They were spending money on CGI for the hell and bad P. Like I think I think they bit off too much for this one. And uh how much money did this movie make? Well, first, guess how much it cost. Uh, I don't know. Eighty mil? Eighty-five million dollars. Do you know how much Jesus it Christ. took worldwide? It can't have been more than fifty. Fifty-eight million. <laughs> like this, this was a bomb movie. Um, Not that bad of a bomb, considering all the money they made in their previous movies. Yeah, like they, they're they're still running a bit. And you have to remember, this movie probably sold, like, uh, literally a million VHS copies. I'm um, sure. I bought one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like this movie as much watching it again. The last time I watched it was in high school. I, uh, I think this movie is slightly worse than Deuce Bigelow. It is. It is slightly worse than Deuce Bigelow. Jeez. Where, where, then where, where would you rank it then? I mean, you guys are, you guys are 10 in. Um, this movie is better than Going Overboard. And that's it. Yep. At at this point, I'm willing to say this is the, so far, the worst Adam Sandler movie. Wow. I don't know. I actually personally i don't like the water boy as much and i know that i don't want to say this to offend you joe i think it's actually better than the water boy <laughs> I, I i don't take any offense to that like i you know i understand i understand the 
polarizing nature of the water boy mm-hmm. and you know it's got its fans and it's got its detractors and that's why it sort of speaks so much to those people but i think i think when you look at little nicky i mean yeah obviously there there are those moments where it is lacking and it could be expanded upon and into even like a broader universe into i mean i don't know maybe maybe now that it's been out for a while and um adam sandler has his netflix relationship if they wanted to expand little nicky into like like i don't know like a mini series or or like a uh digital uh digital series i think that it could really flourish there but um it really addressed some some big uh big big themes and established some hard hard line laws in the universe i i give it five bags of popcorn personally <laughs> um, you know i'm changing my mind actually i do want to say that this movie was worse than the water boy because i'm thinking about how much fun i had talking about the water yeah. boy and dissecting it compared to this movie um there really wasn't that much to dissect. They didn't really get into anything other than the, haha, it's the devil. Yeah, I do want to uh, pitch, though, to you, Joe. What do you think about little Nicky Jr.? Zachariah's 20 now, and he's out on the town. Ooh, like a young single man in New York? Well, uh, a young, yeah. young single demon in New York. He's a quarter demon, a quarter, quarter angel, angel, half human, half half clinically depressed yeah um (laughs) yeah that would i mean that would that would be the route that they should go if you know obviously maybe maybe like a a sandler cameo uh reprising his role as little nicky but if they were to like like expand and i mean we're seeing some like universes like expanding through like through like a television series i could see them doing that i would love that now now you know that adam sandler did play the devil in dirty work yeah that was before this though that doesn't count i think it counts still um just because the movie came before doesn't mean that it didn't come before or it didn't come after in the timeline true, true. um i have one other uh idea i want to throw out there what if we consider this a direct prequel to uncut gems <laughs> we're not there yet, Alex. <laughs> we have 50 more movies to get uh, through. <laughs> how how direct like in terms in terms of universe time how direct of a sequel so all they needed to do was actually just throw that opal on the ground and release ozzy osbourne yeah I, i'm saying in uncut gems he mind controlled that family into thinking he was their son and his that's he just enjoys fucking he went what? he went full dark yeah. he he threw away his uh his light abilities well he threw away all his abilities and decided to gamble and bang and uh then died and went back to hell Oh man, I I can't wait for you guys to dissect the weekend and his uh presence in the Sandlerverse. Oh, that's yeah. I I I can't wait to watch Uncut Gems again. Yeah, that that movie was. The film good. made me so anxious. Oh, yeah, it was like hanging out with Ben. It was. That's how it I felt. Was hanging out. It was like hanging out with Ben. That is. He Ben, Ben Ben introduced himself. Uh. 
to my girlfriend by saying, hi, my name is Ben and I'm a lot to handle. And <laughs> that, that would be, that would be the, the Rotten Tomatoes review I would give to Uncut Gems. Just like, hey, this is Uncut Gems and this is a lot to handle. Yeah. I, I think we can all agree it was a lot to handle. Um, <sighs> well. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying... I, I, I feel unsatisfied by little Nikki. That's that's where I think little Nikki's dick was too thin. <laughs> it's like we're talking about a Twizzler yeah. here. If if we're you spray painted this. it silver, it would look like a kickstand. Uh, I <laughs> go watch Deuce agreed. Bigelow again. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I I. Jesus, I, I know I'm gonna disappear down a wormhole now. I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna go watch Deuce Bigelow. If only if only he were like all Happy Madison, all Adam Sandler movies were on a single platform. Yeah, it is hard to get through them all. Um, it's true. You have to be renting. You have to be, uh, you know, yo hoing. You have to be on Netflix and Hulu. It's it's rough. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, well, let me let me say our next movie is 2001's Joe Dirt. <sighs> it's I can't it's wait. It's a one-star Sandlayer movie. It's made by Happy Madison. That's where the connection ends, and it's starring SNL alum David Spade. Um, <laughs> Spade and Dave. Spade. It has Christopher Walken in it. Everyone loves that. Um, do, do you guys remember fondly Joe Dirt? I uh, actually don't remember it fondly, but I know that I'm going to enjoy it more around uh, this time around. Yeah, um, I remember a very specific uh, cleavage scene. Uh, <laughs> I was considering I was nine, um, and uh, yeah, I mean. There, there's probably some skipping on the VHS tape when we returned it back to Blockbuster, but that wow. was that was that's all I remember really from Joe Dirt. Um, I specifically remember two scenes, and it's I got the poop on me scene, which is hilarious, and uh, another scene uh, <laughs> with the shit meteor. <laughs> uh, I I really like Joe Dirt. This is a good movie we're getting into. So I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get frustrated if you claim Joe Dirt to be above Lil Necky. I'll look forward to that. Uh, honestly, it's the animal you got to worry about. That's the movie that, if it, I say it's bad, than Lil Nicky, we're, we're fighting. <laughs> I agreed there. Joe, thank you for talking with us about Lil Nicky. Thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure, even though I literally do not know if you truly believe the things that you said. I no, <laughs> thank you guys. No, the pleasure is mine. I mean, to be able to to talk about my my passions like this, it's it's fa- fantastic outlook. Really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, I also appreciate Joey from Yu Gi Oh for being here with us. <laughs> Red eyes, black dragon. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, and I'm excited because uh, next movie has Christopher Walken, so I can do my Christopher Walken slash Pegasus uh, impression because they're the same one. 
<laughs> well, you can find this podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. Uh, and you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. We are primarily game designers. Um, Joe, do you have any pluggables you want to plug? Uh, pluggables? Uh, really, all you can find me on is uh, Instagram. I'm uh, at workappropriatehandle69. Uh, no spaces. And uh, you can find some uh, some great uh, brunching content there. Top not brunch. Uh, I'm at Kitty Crusade on Twitter. I'm at Joska. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash games, supporting both this podcast and our games. And, and I have a question for you, Joe. Do you know the magical comedy term? It's the magical comedy uh, phrase. It's the yeah. magical comedy phrase. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say the phrase. No, I was asking. Um, do you know it? No. What is the magical comedy phrase? Take my wife, please. <laughs> that that I mean that that is that is pretty magic. <laughs> <laughs>